a protective hedge. A hedge. Anyone know what a hedge is? Do y'all have a hedge? That's how God is described. It's what God does for us, like a protective hedge. Now, of all the ways you could think about God, for me, that's one of the lesser ways. A protective hedge. The hedge at my house is about that high. I don't know if y'all have, we rarely see them like this. They're down here usually, right? It says in the reading from Isaiah that was so beautifully read, thank you, right? Um, that God plants a vineyard of grapes for wine. And it is a story for Israel about God's purpose for God's people. But what is planted grows differently than what was intended. It's not clear exactly why, but I'm sure you've had that happen where you put down the seed or what you think is gonna happen is not exactly what happens. Apparently it happens to God in this story. And it's so the wrong thing that God removes the hedge, removes the protection, and lets the people be. The people are vulnerable, is what the story is. Sounds horrible, frankly. Doesn't sound like a place I wanna be. This is Isaiah 5. Isaiah 6 says, is a wonderful reading, right, of who will go for us? Who will go for us? But what we're hearing now is why someone needs to go for us that God's will is set. And God's kind of clear in Isaiah that God's purposes are clear. God wants justice, generosity, righteousness, holiness for God's people. God has made you for something, it says in Isaiah. But it might take some work to figure out what that's for. Might not be obvious. And God protects us, it says. But I think sort of intentionally like a hedge or like a wall Whatever God's protections are, they're not so sure that we can never, ever, despite anything that happens, be vulnerable in any way or go wrong in any way. I wouldn't mind a God like that myself, but it doesn't seem to be what we get. We get a God that leaves for us space to decide who we want to be, to make some choices. Again, I wouldn't mind sometimes having fewer choices. Sometimes they don't seem clear. I don't know if any of you ever had that experience. It doesn't always seem completely clear to me what is right, what is holy, what is of God, at what pace to do the thing, right? Not always, sometimes so clear, really clear. Love those times. But isn't it also true as it says in the gospel, as the signs of the time, which are all the times, sometimes you know exactly what is right, exactly. And it's still difficult. It feels like it would take courage, more courage than we have to do that thing. And that's what we're thinking about today. So God bless us when we don't know what is right like those wild grapes after you get started for a while, I think as a wild grape, that's just where you're going. You don't get to be the right kind of grape in that story. You hope it doesn't happen. But even for those of us that are kind of the ones that come into places like this and sit here, even us, right? Don't we struggle with what is right in these times, the signs of the times, those things that might cause, might cause conflict among the people we love, even when we're really young, 
when we know what we want, we might not know why we want it. It's gonna be hard. It's part of our work in community to be open enough that people can say their hard things. And it might mean that we all agree that it all works. It might mean that there's correction, there's a hedge, there's protection, change of course. And it might mean we all agree to stand together within this great hedge, within these great walls, and not agree. The signs of the times lead us to different things. So this last, um, yesterday, we, um, Vicentia, who's somewhere here, and I got to go to Hainville, Alabama, to see the, um, to be witness to the pilgrimage for Jonathan Daniels. And what a story of the sign of the times and reading the signs of the times. He was an Episcopal seminarian at the Episcopal Divinity School in Cambridge, Massachusetts in the 60s, when there was a call for people from all over the country to come south in support of voting rights for African Americans. And he had, was a graduate of the Virginia Military Institute, VMI. So in my mind, not the kind of guy that goes down in response to that call. So he's up at EDS in Cambridge and he's sitting in the chapel is the story that he wrote in his journal, which is found later, and writes that he's sitting in the chapel and the Magnificat is either chanted or read. And as he, as he hears the words of Mary, my soul proclaims the great greatness of the Lord, right? Um, he has cast down the mighty from his thrones and lifted the lowly. He writes that he knew he had to go. So he goes to Hainville, Alabama, which is a little bit north of, and east, I think, of Selma. Um, I think about as bustling today as it was then. Tiny. And he goes to stay with the family, as all those folks did, and decides to stay an extra semester after the one time in the summer they were supposed to go and gets to know a family well. Um, Ruby Sales is still around, who knew him when she was a child. He stayed at her house, or was, was known to them. They get arrested, as people did often then, a large group of them, and then they are, um, a couple of them are let out, and you're not supposed to go, is the, was what we hear now. When they let you out, um, it means it's sort of a setup, some harm will come, so don't go. Stay in the jailhouse if you can. So they had to leave, though, to go to a phone to say they had been let out. So they go out and they go to the store and get a Coke because they haven't eaten overnight. They're hungry and they're gonna make this call. And as soon as they walk in the store, so the reason you're not supposed to go out, someone was there to harm them. Um, and they, he was shot and he died right there in the store. And the pilgrimage is that you go to the jail and you read the story there. You hear the story, this young man, you read a prayer, you sing some songs and walk over to the store and kneel and pray in that place and remember that the church preaches that the seed of the church is the blood of the martyrs, and they call him a martyr. Jonathan Daniels and the martyrs of Alabama. What a phrase, right? That they're martyrs on our soil. It frames the civil rights movement, the sign of the times of its times in the great story of human liberation, which is what we're hearing in Isaiah as well. And it takes people like John Daniels, who had no clue probably what he was doing, who I'm sure infuriated people he loved, took risks that his family was terrified of at that time, hopefully um, with lots of courage and prayer and conversation with people he loved, and ended up in a way that we hope for no one, that we dream for no one, um, but stands as a testimony to us of something like a hedge for us in this time the people that stand around and that become the voices of God in their time to us in our time for courage, right? To hear, 
these old, old words of Mary, of Isaiah, of Jesus, and what they call us to in this time. So I'll encourage you, if you've got some time, to look around again. I keep encouraging you to look out these windows. Look again, because aren't we again in times that demand of us some courage? That hedge of God's protection is not a protection from the world. It is a space in which we see what is true and right and good and holy, and your heart is protected to see it so that you and I, like John Daniels and the martyrs of Alabama and Ruby Sales and all of these faces that we see around us might be the people that see the sign of the times in these times and step out in great courage to join the glorious companions by which we are surrounded. Amen.